0: I do. That's ro.co/ido. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co/ido. I do podcast episode 36. <laughs> Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and
1: happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts,
0: Chase and Sarah. Do you have a topic that you'd like to hear more about? Or a relationship question you'd like answered? Email us at info at and we'll be sure to add it to one of our upcoming episodes. We're very excited to introduce our guest today, Mort Fortell. Hi, Mort.
1: Hey. Hi
0: there. How are you today? Excellent. How are you? Great. Thank you.
1: Mort Fertel is author and founder of the Marriage Fitness System for Relationship Renewal. He is a world authority on the psychology of relationships and has an international reputation for saving marriages. In addition to working with couples, he teaches individuals how to single-handedly transform their marital situation. Mort was a featured expert on ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, and the Fox News Network. He is also a frequent guest on talk radio programs. His breakthrough program, Marriage Fitness, has appeared in numerous media publications, including the New York Times, Huffington Post, Chicago Tribune, LA Times, USA Today, and many more. Mort graduated from the University of Pennsylvania, was the CEO of an international nonprofit organization, and a former marathon runner. He lives with his wife and five children in Baltimore, Maryland.
0: We've given our listeners just a little overview. So, take a minute. Tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships.
2: Sure. Um, why do I enjoy it? Uh, it's uh, I feel useful. <laughs> I think that uh, I think that we're all on this earth to serve, and you know, to serve uh, each other in some useful way. And I think part of the challenge we each have in our lives is to try to detect, you know, why were we put here? How am I supposed to serve? When we discover that, we feel useful. I feel I've discovered why, why I was put here, and uh, it's very meaningful for me to uh, to serve people in, in that way.
1: Well, that's great, and we're going to dive right into why you feel useful in, in creating this program that you have the marriage fitness system. Can you explain to our listeners a little bit about that?
2: Sure. Um, marriage fitness is an alternative to marriage counseling. It's a it's a new methodology to marital healing that I created. Um, it's not marriage therapy. It's not marriage counseling. Um, of course, I have tons of resources on what it is, and I could go on for hours and hours, but I'll try to just give it to you kind of a real quick executive summary. Basically, Um, marriage fitness is unique in the sense that we do not go backwards into the past or into the problems and the issues. Instead, um, we teach you how to temporarily put those problems and issues aside and to move forward, building positive relationship habits, or I should say doing positive relationship habits for the purpose of building goodwill. So in other words, instead of trying to fix what's wrong, we help you make new things right. And my experience, both personally and professionally, is that when you do that, it actually does fix what's wrong. Because, And the reason for that is people often misidentify what the real problem is in their marriage. The problems that they're identifying are really symptoms of the real problem. The real problem is a lack of connection between the husband and wife. But they don't think that. They're thinking about the problem. And so they're trying to address the problems. But even when you try to solve the problems, you, you don't really solve them because you've really misidentified the real problem, which is the lack of connection. So we help people go to work on that real problem, that is the lack of connection, and that usually clears up the symptoms. Hmm. As one of my own students said, ah, so the problems don't actually get resolved, they just dissolve. And that's exactly the way it works.
1: Interesting. So you say at the root is a lack of connection. Can you talk about specifically what that might mean for a relationship?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we all know what it feels like to be deeply connected to another human being, to feel bonded to them, to feel at one with them, to feel like your life has merged with them. I think we all know that experience because, you know, we fell in love. That's why we got married to begin with. But then... Uh, people lose each other. They get busy with work and with kids. They get distracted with the the business of running a life, and they end up becoming roommates and losing that soulmate experience. And that's what I mean by sort of the lack of connection. People feel no longer uh, connected. In fact, on the contrary, generally what happens is people end up leading parallel lives.
1: And so to to someone out there, one of our listeners that I'm just – trying to play devil's advocate here and we're not we're not gonna go and tackle the exact problem. Maybe someone in a relationship is feeling that they're not getting the love or or they're not getting I'm trying to think of a specific thing outside a lack of connection. What is a a common thing that you see that a couple will come to you with?
2: Did you want to give me though a specific example? There, it's actually sometimes quite e- it's actually sometimes easier to work with specific examples, and I think it's more helpful to the listener. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, let's say a uh, wife feels like the husband is not helping around the house at all. It's been an issue in their marriage, and it's coming to a boiling point where mm-hmm. she doesn't feel appreciated. She's doing all the chores. How can putting that aside help solve the problem? Sort of through your through your methodology.
2: Sure. So first, let I think it would be helpful to see, let, let's see how not putting it aside will not for sure solve the problem, mm-hmm. right? So wife is upset with husband that he's not helping around the house. So what is she going to do? She's going to complain to him, and that's going to work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: she's
2: she's going to criticize him, and he's going to say, oh, thank you for criticizing me. Now mm-hmm. where can I get the mop? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> She's going to condemn him and tell him she, you know, he's not holding up to his end. And oh, oh, now he's going to uh, be remorseful and repent. I mean, there's no question. Before we get to what the solution is, let's just be clear about what the solution is not. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to succeed in a stressed out relationship. To bring what you think are the problems and issues to your spouse, and 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 you're, if you think that that's going to make things better, good luck, mm-hmm. right? Because I've dealt with thousands and thousands of cases, and it just doesn't work. When people end up talking about the problems and issues, they just get mired deeper and deeper into the negativity of their situation. Nothing gets resolved, and in fact, it, things get worse. Mm-hmm. Um. So, And I think that everybody listening had, can identify with that, um, has probably had that experience. Because I'll admit, our first instinct, for sure, is to go to our husband or wife and say, look, he, you know, from my perspective, here's the problem, you know, and here's the solution. Uh, in other words, people want to try to talk their way uh, to a solution. But um, Maybe we'll get into this later, but my motto in marriage is, say little, do much. Not much gets resolved through discussion. Uh, a lot can get resolved, though, through taking action, the proper behavior. So anyway, I think the first place to start is to recognize that, um, you know, if you've got, if you have identified what you think is a problem or an issue in your marriage, like, for example, your husband's not helping enough around the house, uh, it's highly unlikely that you're going to get anywhere by bringing this verbally to your husband's attention, at least initially. So then, okay, Mort, so then what do I do? Right? How do I go about this? I'm frustrated, I'm angry, my husband doesn't help around the house. You don't want me to discuss it with him. What do you want me to do? Well, let's, uh, let's identify, let's talk a little bit about why your husband might not be helping so much. Um, one possibility is that he, you know, we help people that we feel connected to, that we feel indebted to, that we feel close to. We You know, when we're really close to somebody, then we're more tuned in to what's important to them and what they need from us. And we care. We really care. And so we're much more likely to be sensitive to and go out of our way for somebody who we feel close to and who we feel is um, being sensitive to us. So sometimes the greatest thing you can do for your marriage when you're not getting your needs met is to take a look at what needs of your husband or your wife that you're not meeting. Mm -hmm. And when you go and make a special effort to meet those needs, then your spouse is much more likely to begin to reciprocate it's kind of, it's, it's totally counterintuitive. When you try to get your needs met, then you come across as self-serving, you come across as uh, uncaring, you come across as very negative, and basically people don't want to meet your needs. But when you're focused on meeting the needs of your spouse, making sure that you're being sensitive to them, that they are cared for, that they feel loved, then they become more sensitive to you. They care about you. They care about the relationship. They want to protect it. And their tentacles are up to, wow, what can I do for her? What does she need? When, you're, when, when uh, a wife goes to a husband and says, you know, you've got to help me more around the house, It's the easiest thing in the world for him to brush that off and and think to himself, well, why should I do that? She's not doing X, Y, and Z. But when she goes ahead and she takes the initiative with no complaints in mind to do X, Y, and Z, he perks up and he feels good, he feels appreciated, he feels loved, and he feels compelled. His conscience compels him to help out more around the house or take her out to dinner or whatever the case may
1: be. Right, to sort of reciprocate that exactly. feeling. Exactly. So I think I'm I'm following the the program and the idea now to someone that does this and the wife maybe won't directly address the issue but concentrates on you know building that connection but then there is no response from the husband then uh, then what are they going to do?
2: It rarely happens that way. I mean, unless you're going to claim, which it's it's incredible, it's very rare. Unless you're going to claim that your spouse is a sociopath, unless you're going to claim that your spouse has no conscience, uh, which you know it's possible. There are there are the exceptions in the world. Um, But unless you're going to claim that, there's always a response. Mm -hmm. May I tell a quick story? Of course. To illustrate man comes to a town, and he's thinking about moving here. So he says to the local sage, excuse me, I'm thinking about moving here. Can you tell me what kind of people live here? So the sage says, well, what kind of people live where you come from? So the man says, oh, where I come from, the people are angry, mean, violent, really horrible. So the sage says, well, people are pretty much the same here. So about a month later, a different man comes to the same town, seeks out the same sage, and says, I'm thinking about moving here. Can you tell me what kind of people live here? So the sage once again says, well, what kind of people live where you come from? So the man says, oh, where I come from, the people are kind and loving and generous. So the sage says, oh, well, people are pretty much the same here.
1: Hmm.
2: It's a profound Little cute story, and it's really true, which is that people really are not just as they are; they are as we are. Mm-hmm. What you put out there is exactly what you get back, and um, and so people that are in broken marriages are so often distracted by what they're not getting, when really, usually the issue is what they're not giving.
0: Are there certain couples that are better candidates for this system than others? I don't think so.
2: Um, Again, if you're dealing with a sociopath, you're pretty much out of luck, regardless of what system you're looking at. Right. (laughs) But that's a pretty rare case. I mean, look, the marriage fitness methodology is built on universal principles of relationships. Um, Even though I kind of codified the methodology, uh, I don't feel that I really invented anything. Um, The entire marriage fitness methodology is based on universal principles of relationships that have been around for thousands of years. If you read all of the ancient literature, whether it comes from the East or the West, whether it's based in psychology or uh, biblically based, uh, they're all talking about the same principles and practices. And what I'm good at, what I did, was I just put it together in a very user-friendly, easy to understand um, methodology. Because it's very hard for people to access that ancient wisdom.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, to our listeners out there who might say, "Oh, let me try this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to." Obviously, we could do the program. Ultimately, is the best thing. But maybe they listen to the podcast and right away after they want to try it, and they don't get any response. And like you said, maybe it's it's a sociopath or something like that. But you know, what do they need to do next?
2: Well, first of all, and of course, a person could could uh, join the marriage fitness program, and that's you know, the, the best thing for them to do. But if they wanted to just try it, if they just want to sort of get their feet wet before really delving into the whole program, I really encourage people to, uh, you know, uh, you can, if you don't mind a quick plug, uh, sure. go to my website, marriagefitness.com, and subscribe to my free report, Seven Secrets for Fixing Your Marriage. And that'll give you very quickly and very easily and free, it'll give you some ways that you can begin and you don't have to take my word for it. Uh, test what it is that I'm suggesting. And when you sign up for that free report, you'll get some very, very specific principles and, pra- and, and practices that you can employ in your marital situation immediately that you can test out. And people are always amazed because what I'm describing here is not conventional. Right? Typically, whenever people have marriage problems, they always think, I gotta go to a marriage therapist, I gotta go to a marriage counselor, and we're gonna sit down, and we're gonna hash out the problems, and we're gonna talk about communication strategies and conflict resolutions, and, and it's just, it's so ingrained in our society that that's the path. What people don't realize is that more than 75% of the people that take that path fail. Marriage counseling is, has a dismal success rate. And it's because many of the, um, because the, the premise of the, me- of that whole methodology is seriously flawed.
1: In that directly addressing the problem, is that the, what's the root of the,
2: uh? That's one of the major flaws. That's exactly right, which is that it tends, not always, by the way, I mean, for those that are maybe mayor's counselors and therapists that are, that are out there listening, um, I mean, a lot of, the marriage counselors and therapists are becoming wiser now and many of them actually have gotten a hold of the marriage fitness program and are utilizing the program in their practice or they have other other ways to access alternatives to the traditional therapeutic model and so it's not exclusively true i mean there are a lot of very good counselors and therapists out there that are that are taking a different approach and are being very positive but generally speaking the flaw is that that it's taking the couple backwards into family of origin issues or into their problems and their issues, and they're just they're just immersing the couple deeper into the negativity of their situation, which any couple that's ever experienced that knows that that just makes things worse, and what's really required is. Uh, not to try to fix what's wrong, but to try to make new things right. It's like, you know, I once went to my doctor because I had a a back problem. And and he said, you know, what I'd really recommend is you do sit-ups. I said, doc, sit-ups, I think you misunderstood my whole complaint. It's not my stomach that hurts, it's my back. He said, I know, do sit-ups. And he was right. Sometimes, Strengthening one part of your body helps heal another. Sometimes where the symptom is emerging is not really where the problem lies. And it can be very confusing and very distracting unless you really know what's going on.
0: That's very interesting and great information for our listeners. And it sounds like an awesome program that you have there. Thank you. What do you find is the most common reason couples will struggle in their relationship?
2: Um, Two things come to mind first. I mean, I I could make a very long list. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: (laughs) But two things come to mind first. Um, One is lack of wisdom. And what I mean by that is making a marriage work is not a secret. It's not a mystery. I know there's the expression, love is a mystery. It's a, it's a cute expression, but the problem is it's wrong. Mm. Love is not a mystery. Succeeding in love and marriage is like succeeding at anything else in your life, whether it's your tennis game or your profession. There is a way to go about it. And if you know how to go about it, And you practice the right things, then it's highly likely that you will be successful at whatever it is that you have learned to do. If, on the other hand, you know, you're just winging it, and you don't really care about, you know, what it is that makes this thing work well or not work well, uh, then, you know, you're gonna be frustrated. And, you know, it's like, it's like ordering a new piece of uh, equipment um, and discarding the, uh, the manual, the instruction book, and then you know, you start pounding away on the keyboard or whatever it is that you ordered and you're complaining that it doesn't work, but you never really learned how to work it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So because the initial relationship experience we have is free, meaning it's a gift from God, uh, it's easy. It doesn't require any wisdom or effort can't explain why, I'm not God, but that's just the way the world was created, right? When we initially fall in love, it's a spontaneous, natural experience. It doesn't require any wisdom or effort. And because that's our initial experience, a lot of people get suckered into thinking that that's supposed to be the nature of the experience long term, that if I have to work hard or if I have to acquire wisdom to make this work, then something must be wrong. But that's ridiculous. Um, nothing is wrong mm-hmm. at some point a relationship becomes like my tennis game it becomes like my profession it becomes like learning how to operate a computer you need a manual you need instructions you need a mentor you need you've got to understand how to go about it and if you understand how to go about it then it's going to work well for you if you don't understand how to go about it it's not going to work so getting back to your question what's one of the most common sources of uh, you know marital crisis and problems is that is that people don't have the wisdom, they don't value the wisdom, they don't spend the time and the effort trying to acquire the wisdom. They just think that this is just supposed to spontaneously work. Um, And uh, that somehow I learned everything about relationships that I need to know from my friends when I was 13. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's not going to serve them well. Mm. Uh, the second thing that came to mind that I was going to mention, this is more specific, I guess, is that um, it, it's related to the first one. I'll, I'll explain the connection in a moment. But uh, the second thing that came to mind is that if people don't invest enough time with each other. Um, they're so busy running the business of a family, uh, putting food on the table and taking the kids to soccer practice and paying the mortgage and cutting the lawn and doing whatever they have to do, that they kind of lose each other. They just don't spend time together. And it sounds so simple, Um, you know, what professional hasn't recommended date night, but what is common sense is not always common practice. And if you think about anything else in your life, it's not possible to succeed. It's not possible to rise to a level of competence unless you're really investing time and energy. And uh, that's one of the reasons why so many marriages fail because people are investing their time and energy in a hundred other things in their life and not in each other mm.
0: Mm. well great well thank you for that and we're we're big proponents of date night so if that's uh, it's good to know that that'll you know help us stay connected together in the relationship absolutely
1: now we are going into the his and her round where Sarah and I each ask a question that's on our minds Sarah's up
0: Okay. Well, my question has to do with uh, the disconnection of the relationship. And do you have any tips for our listeners to prevent that disconnection before it gets to the point where they're having to seek therapy and counseling?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, in a sense, my whole program is an answer to that question. Um, In other words... And, and what I last, what we last discussed, is a partial answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, before you get to the point where you're having problems, uh, invest the time and energy with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, let me let me completely tie it into our previous discussion. Uh, two suggestions: one would be, you know, make sure you're spending time and energy with each other. Number two is take the initiative before you have a crisis to acquire the wisdom. Uh, about what it does take to succeed long-term in a marriage. Uh, don't wait until you know, you've know you got a problem to begin to change things. If you're like most people, um, you got the marriage license before you really knew how to be married, if you mm-hmm. think about it. Yeah. There's no other thing on earth that works that way. If you want a driver's license, you first got to learn how to drive. If you want a medical license to practice medicine, you first have to learn how to be a doctor, and the list goes on and on. But unfortunately, in our society, in order to get a marriage license, you don't need to learn how to be married. Don't wait until there's a crisis to learn it. There is information out there, and of course, marriage fitness is just one uh, source of that information, but there is good information out there about how to have a successful marriage. And I can't encourage people enough to acquire that information and uh, to practice it.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. And that's pretty much what we did with starting this podcast is we were trying to get information for ourselves and couldn't find anything in the podcast world geared towards younger couples so we said let's let's start our own and selfishly we're doing it for ourselves initially but now it's great to hopefully be be helping people who are listening
2: i commend you for that it's beautiful
1: my question is going back to a couple that's struggling and they want to go into your program the marriage fitness system and once they get in, you said we're going to move forward, not necessarily going to look back to the problem. Is there ever a time when you do recommend directly addressing the problem?
2: Yes. Um, if you really listen carefully to what I was explaining before, I was not saying that you should bury the problems and issues, never deal with them. What I said was to temporarily put those problems and issues aside in order to build goodwill. The time to come back and address those problems and issues, if they're still there, by the way, is after you've spent some time and energy building goodwill. Think about it. It's much easier to resolve a difference you have with a friend than it is with an enemy. There's an expression, I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. In other words, once you've built goodwill with a person, the relationship is strengthened and they care how much you know. Now they're more likely to to care, uh, Sorry, and they know how much you care. Now they're more likely to care how much you know. In other words, you can talk and they'll actually listen. Mm -hmm. But if you try to talk through a problem or an issue before they feel that you really care, you know what that's like. So, like talking to a wall. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is there a time to come back to the problems and the issues? If they're still outstanding after the goodwill has been built, then yeah, that's the time. I say if, because I would say in 75% of the cases that I deal with, people, they call it magic. To me, it's not magic. I expect it. But... In 75% of the cases, the problems and issues that they have pinpointed before they started the program have—I'll use the word again—they have dissolved um, by the end of the program. Not always. Sometimes there are issues to come back to and discuss, but then you're discussing them in a totally different context. You're discussing them with a basis of goodwill. You know, think about think about the business world, for example. You know, why in the afternoon on a weekday are the restaurants in New York City filled? Who's eating all those meals, <laughs> right? It's not people socializing. It's not uh, it's not the same Saturday night or Friday night crowd. It's filled with people trying to do business. So if they're trying to do business, why aren't they busy in their office doing business? What are they doing in a restaurant having a leisurely two-hour lunch? I'll tell you what they're doing. They're greasing the wheels of human interaction. They're getting to know each other. They're building goodwill. They're having a little bit of fun. They're asking about each other's families. And when you create more of a relationship... It enables things to work smoothly. When there's no relationship, people don't trust each other, they're suspicious, hesitant, and uh, things don't get done. In the words of Stephen Covey, it's called the speed of trust.
0: It's important, and it's a great example for our listeners to to be able to connect to and, and relate to.
1: Yeah, thank you. That that pretty much answers my question exactly, because I, d- I didn't want our listeners to think that you never want to address the problem and you push it aside, but thank you for that clarification, and it does. It, I love the analogy, and it makes a lot of sense.
2: Good, and you're welcome.
1: Now it's time for our favorite part of the interview, the lasting love round.
0: We'll ask you a series of questions, and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship.
1: We love it. Our listeners love it. So, Mort, are you ready to help us build lasting love? I
2: love it. Go.
0: (laughs) What's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship?
2: Catch your spouse doing something right and let them know that you caught them.
1: Is there a book or resource besides the marriage fitness system (laughs) that you can recommend for couples?
0: The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Great. Awesome. Well, we'll have the link to your website as well as that book and the Marriage Fitness System on our website at idopodcast.com and our listeners know to go there to check out your awesome resources. Okay. We're getting married this year. Is there any advice you would give engaged couples or newlyweds?
2: I think everything we've discussed applies, right? But, mm-hmm. but um, let's 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 take the opportunity. Let's take the opportunity to discuss something new. Um, I think it's really important, and I think an engagement is a is a great time to, to do this. I think it's really important for husbands and wives, for you know, uh, fiancés, to recognize that no matter how much time and effort you spend acquiring wisdom, no matter how hard you try to be a great husband and a great wife, there will be times when you don't agree. There will be conflict. And I think it's important for people to plan now for times when they're not able to move through conflict. And I want to I leave you with a foolproof method for getting through any conflict. And if your fiance would not agree to this method over the course of your marriage, if they won't agree in advance to use this, I would run.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: the method is this: agree in advance to a unbiased, mutually agreed upon third party that you will go to when you can't resolve something. And let me just be clear here: of course, you should first, you know, apply the principles and practices of marriage fitness, and of course, you should you know, try the usual conflict resolution strategies. And, of course, you should, after you build goodwill, try to discuss this and work this. I'm talking about the few times over the course of your marriage when you've done everything right and still you can't get through some issue, argument, or conflict. What then do you do? Then I think what a couple does, rather than hammering away at each other for the next 10 years, rather than somebody dominating the other and just doing what they want, Rather than somebody else just subjugating their will to the other and, you know, swallowing it and having the resentment build up over the years, the two people agree that there is a mutually, there's a mutually agreed upon third party that they go to, they present the issue and the problem, and they agree in advance that whatever this person says to do, we will do. And it is foolproof. My wife and I have done this numerous times during the course of our marriage. We go to this person that we totally trust, we have a relationship with him, he's a very wise man, steeped in wisdom, we know that he's not on anybody's side, he's got no bias, he only has our family's best interest in mind. We walk in, 20 minutes later we walk out, and it's over. It's over. We now have moved through it. Of course, when he agrees with what I thought was the resolution, it's easy. But you know what? When he says that I should do it like my wife was suggesting, I'm okay with it because I totally trust him. And I say to myself in those instances, you know, I must have been missing something. I guess I wasn't seeing this clearly. In any event, it's over. We're through it and we can move on and, and, and um, continue in, in the positive energy of our relationship. If a person won't agree to this, it is a sign of arrogance. Stubborn. And arrogance destroys relationships. It's also a sign that a person is possibly a control freak and control destroys relationships. So it's a very nice thing to go over with a, you know, during, uh, even before an engagement, but okay, you guys are already engaged, uh, with a fiancé and make sure that... Um, you know, even though you're in the honeymoon stage, that you understand they're going to, long life ahead. There're going to be times when we don't agree. We've got to have this tool available to us to resolve things, um, and if to make sure that you've got two people that are humble enough to go before a third party and to submit their will to his or her will for the sake of the relationship, if they're not willing to run.
1: I can agree to that, mm-hmm. Sarah.
0: Yep. <laughs>
1: Me too. Okay, good. <laughs> if you could give just one single piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be?
2: Well, of course, I we, we could go back into this interview and and uh list
0: right. <laughs>
2: many of them that I've Absolutely. already given, but obviously again, we'll take the opportunity to to uh to offer something new. Um Invest in your sex life. Meaning, once again, for something to succeed, it requires time and energy. It can't be relegated to the final 20 minutes of the day, uh, after the kids are asleep and you've worked 10 hours and you've got, you know, nothing less than, left in the tank. If you do that, Um, You know, it doesn't take a psychologist or a rocket scientist to figure out, you know, what what's going to happen. A couple's sex life is a very, very important part of their marriage, and for it to really thrive, it requires time and energy. My wife and I, uh, we as as I think you mentioned in the intro, we have five children. Um, Currently, they're all under the age of sixteen. Nonetheless, I would say four or five times a year, at least. We go away together, just the two of us. That's, this does not include family vacations. Um, we go away just the two of us. Sometimes it's just for a night or two, but uh, it really gives us the opportunity to be alone, uninterrupted by home, kids, work, um, and to really just uh, to be with each other and to create opportunities for an intimate experience on a regular basis.
0: Well that's great advice and we know it's always so important to work on your intimacy with your spouse or your partner and because it it really is very important like you said for your relationship to survive so that's great information thank you so much. You're welcome. We've really enjoyed hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners today so let's finish by having you tell them where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye.
2: Sure so as I mentioned once before, um, you can go to marriagefitness.com, marriagefitness.com, and right there on the first page you'll see uh, an opportunity to subscribe to my free report, Seven Secrets for Fixing Your Marriage, and um, you can click deeper into the website if you want to get some more information about, uh, about me or, in particular, the Marriage Fitness Program, which is, uh, of course, a much more comprehensive marital crisis uh, solution for you.
1: Where well, our listeners can find all the information and links of today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives.
0: And thank you so much for all your generous knowledge and for taking the time to come on our show today.
2: Pleasure. Thank you.
0: Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to IDOPodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you so much for joining us today on IDO Podcast.
1: Head on over to IDOPodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice.
0: Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love?
1: You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.